I have with me, uh, what, what is your name again? Professor Kenny. Professor Kenny. Professor Kenny. <laughs> and this program is called, I have to write it down, <laughs> certainly the second one we've done, uh, The Stuff You Didn't Know Show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about food today, aren't we? Food, yeah, all about food. Now, food is very interesting because we all need it. Yeah. And I, how, the, how I got onto this subject of food, I said to the children, myself and, and Marty, yeah. we're teaching the children, and we got them to talk about topics they like. Yeah. And guess what comes up? Food. food. And it's not just Chinese food, it's food in general. I think everybody loves food, don't they? Yeah, and like cooking, and, and yeah. it makes people feel good, because I know you're a cook. Yeah, I love cooking. I love now, cooking. Um, do you like chocolate? I do, I love chocolate. Well, do you know who invented chocolate? Invented chocolate. Well, invented the use of chocolate. I mean, it was the Mayans, wasn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, got these the cocoa, cocoa beans. beans. And so, yeah. Uh, and I've been to a Mayan temple, and uh, apparently uh, they used to play like a game like basketball through yeah. a hoop. And then the, the the strange thing was that the winners yeah. were were offered a sacrifice because they were that good. And it was a, for me that was an incentive not to win. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't want to be good at that game. <laughs> You wouldn't be good at that game for long. You would not. It'd be your last game. We won. Okay, yeah. you're gone. So talking about chocolate, uh, I got this fact. I was looking around, and yeah. um, I've I'm trying to lose weight because I like chocolate. Yeah. And um, we've been we've been eating dark chocolate. Oh yeah, dark chocolate's meant to be healthy for you. It, isn't it? it is healthy, but and they say you can eat as much of it as you like. <laughs> That's dangerous. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, once you've had a couple of bites, you think, oh, I don't want any more of that. Yeah. <laughs> But interestingly, milk chocolate was invented by a chap called um, Henry, Henry, or Henri, is it Henri? Henri uh, Nestle of Switzerland. So, you know Les- Nestle? Yeah, the, the chocolate company. That's it. He's the guy that invented the chocolate side of things. Different yeah. countries have it yeah. differently. We were just talking about that. Yeah. Um, Hershey bar, have you ever had Hershey bar? The American American chocolate, yeah. Do you like I, it? No. Not a fan. That might upset some people, but I'm not a fan. I think it's being honest because I know people who come to England yeah. eat our chocolate and go, Oof, don't like that because uh, European chocolate tastes different. Why, yeah. why do you think that is? Uh, so I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I think it's like the the way they make the chocolate. They obviously want to make it so that the people in that country are going to enjoy it. So I know in the UK we use a lot of milk, like real milk in chocolate, whereas in other countries they don't. A glass and a half. A glass and a half, yeah, from the adverts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas I know in other countries they don't use real milk. They might use powdered milk because of maybe the heat or because of whatever reason. And, and I believe, uh, you probably tell me this because you're the scientist, yeah. um, chocolate releases endorphins? Yeah. What, yeah. Which endorphins does it release? Um, I'm not a biologist, so I won't be able to say the, the name of the endorphins. It's the good ones. Oh, the good ones. <laughs> the good ones, yeah, yeah. That's the name I've given them. Well, yeah. thank heavens that uh, Henri uh, invented the, the chocolate thing. Yeah. But even European chocolate tastes different to English chocolate. Because remember, there was a bit of a, a do about that when we joined the, the EU, because uh-huh. they didn't like our chocolate. That was the big thing. Yeah, yeah. Was a, they said, hang on, we can't. They said, <laughs> you can't call this chocolate because it's not like the chocolate we have. <laughs> so we, we had to do some uh, tweaking about before we uh, could actually call our chocolate chocolate. But that's another story. It's a, it's a big thing, chocolate, isn't it? It's yeah, like, huge. People huge. love their chocolate. And also, giving away gifts 
isn't it? You go to parties yeah, and stuff like that, chocolate. celebrations, because it may, yeah. probably because it makes people feel good. You said celebration. celebration it said celebrations, <laughs> and I thought of that tub. <laughs> the, yeah. the tub of celebrations, you always get one of them at Christmas. Very true, them. very true. Now, um, we're not just talking about chocolate today because something was brought up in one of your STEM classes, wasn't it? Yeah, so uh, in STEM, STEM Club, um, which I run with some of the kids, a mixture of uh, sort of the different grades in junior high, um, we we at the moment are, are trying to to look at growing food and thing, and and we got given a number. So I'm going to tell you the number, and I want you to try and think what might that number be. Can I jot it down? You can write it down. Okay, thank you. Okay, eight hundred and twenty-one million. Eight hundred. Eight hundred and twenty-one million. Million. So that's eight, two, one, and then six zeros after that. You're not going to believe me. Pencils just backed <laughs> up. I can't believe this. Okay, hold on. Let's get rid of that. Put another one in. We got that. Yep, got it. Uh, eight hundred and twenty. What's currently happening is Baz is trying to write down a number every time he writes the pencil snaps. Pressing too hard. Uh, we'll have to do a thing. So about... that number might be the number of pencils Baz goes through in a radio show. That's very true. Uh, with six noughts, yeah. Six noughts, yeah. That number, eight hundred twenty-one million. Is that the is that the number of people who who are underfed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's the number of people last year that went without some, a significant amount of food. So some of them might have been people who had food, but it wasn't enough for the full year. That's over a year. It's 821 million people around the world. That is a very shocking number. It's a huge number. If there's about seven point something billion people, so it's about a seventh of the world's population. I'm glad you worked that out. I yeah. <laughs> but so so in STEM Club, we we're now focusing on trying to find ways to grow food efficiently, so grow lots of it, and also um, trying to grow it cost effective, so as cheap as we can. Do you ever think food? Well, you may even find this out in your STEM group. Uh, you know, like in space where they they have meals, yeah. which are tablets and stuff like that. Oh yeah, the sort of like freeze dried. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think we down down here on on Earth will eventually have that or not? I hope not, because I I really like food and like I like different types of food and stuff. And I know because of the air drying stuff, you can't have certain foods. Uh, it could get to that point if. If we don't find a good enough solution, um, there's lots and lots of, of things that people are doing to try and work on it, trying to improve the amount of crops that we can grow in a certain area and make, get more food out of each plant. Um, one of the students in STEM club um, was talking about the fact that a couple of years ago they managed to grow meat in a Petri dish and they made a burger. Yeah, was... yeah, I, I read about that. It was fascinating. Yeah. There is a connection with this record it's very bizarre I like it it's from an album I got when I was uh, when I was would have been 16 16, 17 and it's li- it's linked to Linda McCartney she was married to Paul uh-huh. and it's her birthday but why I played it uh, she launched her own brand of vegetarian food she did yeah. she did and I thought well that would fit rather nicely with that. So, so there's method to our madness here all right, STEM. What? Um, let me just move that machine there. Uh, STEM. What is STEM? Yeah. So I've, I've mentioned this STEM club. Uh, so STEM, uh, or sometimes it's called STEAM in the UK, 
It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths. And in the UK, sometimes they also include Arts in that. So you get STEAM instead of just STEM. But it's where we sort of merge the, the four or five uh, topics sort of or subjects into to one club. So we look we look at a problem. So like I've spoken about, we're currently looking at food and, and growing food. But we don't only look at it from a science point of view or only from an engineering point of view or only maths. We try and use all of them into one. So we put all of our collective subjects into one project. It's a really, really popular around the world loads and loads of different countries have their own sort of versions of it but yeah it's it's good and your your pupils yeah. are very keen on food they are they're massively keen on food uh and their research skills are are, are amazing they they beat us um so at the moment they're they're researching their their projects and they're going to apply for funding to try and then produce a prototype of what they want to try and do and see if it works and we're going to sort of keep track of it over the weeks wow. and Quite a nice we, project. you, could be leading the next scientific breakthrough. That's hopefully what, what we get to. So the idea behind STEM is that you, you don't just teach them about this is science, this is engineering, this is maths. You teach them stuff like project uh, um, project funding and how they put projects together, how they present them. Um, so they learn everything. So when they go on to be in these future scientists or future engineers or future mathematicians or future artists, whatever it is, and they have to apply for these fundings and things, they've already got that experience. It's Excellent. highly looked after from uh, universities and colleges and stuff. It's great. It's really good. Great. Now then, let's talk about uh, something that came up in your STEM yeah. class about rice. Yeah. So obviously we, we spoke about that number, that, that huge number, 821 million uh, people who didn't have enough food. And one of the students mentioned, and I apologize if I say the name wrong, but it's a, a Chinese scientist. Uh, his name's Yuan Longping. Uh, and in the eight, uh, 1970s, he was very, very famous in China for creating a hybrid rice. Um, so what we mean by hybrid rice is he took two types of rice or more than two types of rice uh, that had really good things about them. So maybe they had lots of food or they grew very quick or... They didn't need much water, and he sort of mixed them together to produce this sort of super rice, this hybrid rice. Um, and this has actually solved a lot of sort of famine problems, so starvation problems in uh, the countries that I've got listed down are in Africa, in uh, Americas, so uh, in Mexico and, and sort of South America, uh, and in Asia, all across Asia. It's gone on to, to reduce famine Oh, that's Huge very amount. good. That's yeah. very good. There, there was something I remember reading about rice. When I think when GM started, the, uh, some companies were actually getting rice that was grown just in, in, in the normal yeah. country where it was. They were getting it, doing something to it, and then taking a copyright out on it. Yeah, so that, happened, that can happen quite a lot. So with GM food, so GM is genetically modified. So it's where we, we go in and we, we change the DNA to try and make sure it, it doesn't get a, an illness or it grows in a certain way or whatever. Lots of different things that they can do that. But then that's property of that company in in a sense because they've made that species in a way. But our Dr. Ping didn't do that. Our Dr. Ping didn't do that. He did it the sort of more natural way. So instead of going in and changing the DNA, he selectively bred rice together. It's stuff stuff that we've been doing for thousands of years with animals and we've done it with plants before it's just this was the first sort of big case of it great 
Great. Well, I did a little bit of research because because I, I really like this program. What's it called again? The Stuff You Didn't Know Show. The Stuff You Didn't Know Show. And I didn't know the title, so there you go. I was amazed that China are one of the top producers of food in the world. In the world. In the world. They produce a huge amount, but it's not enough to feed their own population. So uh, I should have got the figures, but I, I didn't. I didn't get them. But but this this was very interesting, yeah. and it got me thinking. Wow, you know they're eating it and uh, selling it, yeah. but probably not selling very much because yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of people live here. I, I guess it might well. be as well. Like they might grow specialist foods that they can sell, but they might not really want to eat themselves. Maybe. Well, that's that happens in Africa, doesn't yeah. it? They, they grow um, things that we buy in the supermarkets in England. Yeah, and then and and they're starving. Yeah, it's uh, the world. I think is a little bit upside down with stuff like this. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's there's definitely different different ways you could do it, and making sure that's one of the things that they they look at, and that's one of the reasons they sort of did the hybrid rice. It's trying to grow things that they can use themselves, but I guess it's it's a huge money maker, isn't it? Selling yeah. Yeah. food that like in America, I guess they're the biggest exporter because. Things like when we spoke about chocolate right at the start, they're selling chocolate bars. That's yeah, they're going to sell a lot of that. Yeah. And that guess comes under food. Uh, well, the thing I do like in England is is where they've got the uh, you know the 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 uh, is it called free trade chocolate where they fair uh, trade chocolate fair yeah, trade yeah. chocolate fair trade chocolate where the actual grower gets a percentage of the um, of the amount of the sale, which I think is very good. Yeah, because uh, I don't know the actual the numbers, but normally they get. The tiniest, tiniest amount um, from if you they buy a chocolate bar, but fair trade's really, really good, and they get a, a percentage, and it's it's like a solid good percent. So they can actually they don't have to spend all of their day. They can then maybe go into education, or they can go into sort of work with their families and stuff. So it's, that's great. And and I and I buy it from the co-op when I'm back in England, and and I just feel I feel good. I'd rather buy a free trade one than yeah. buy a, a named one because it's going to another company where. The, all right, they might do things for the yeah. pu- public, but that's not going straight the, to them. Straight to the farmer. Yeah. Now, can we change the subject from chocolate to fish? Oh, yeah. Yes, we can. Um, have you got a fact about fish? No, I was going to ask got you mine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I sort of going on the, the other end. We've, we've spoke about sort of um, people not with enough food. These, these are now people who probably have so much money that they're now spending it on food they don't probably need to spend it on so the most expensive fish ever sold how much do you think that would have been baz for a fish what one fish what's one si- fish what, what size is a fish uh, i don't know the actual weight but it's a bluefin tuna tuna wow they're big uh poof. couple of fa- couple of thousand couple of thousand is that pounds dollars pounds pounds, pounds? this was 3.1 million dollars 3.1 million million dollars wow. for for a fish that a is bluefin tuna goodness me i i've got to show my ignorance now because when i was a kid we had tuna yeah in little tins right yeah and i thought that that's how big the fish were i'm not gonna lie i, I thought the same thing <laughs> when, when i was younger uh, so i did get a picture of it um and it's huge so these aren't the same tunas that you find in those tins uh bluefin tunas are a massive. Um, let me just find the average weight of a bluefin tuna, and we can. Uh, so the average weight of a bluefin tuna is 
around about 250, uh, or it'll be 125 kilograms. Wow. 125 kilograms. That is a, a, that's big. (laughs) It's a big fish. That's a very big fish. When I lived off, uh, I lived in Gibraltar and they used to fish tuna off off there. And sometimes you'd see them uh, when you're in Spain, bringing them in. And it was just like, the first time I saw it, it just blew me away. I thought, wow, that is I mean, they they taste beautiful, yeah. but I don't think they're worth uh, three point one million. No, dollars. I think I'd rather buy something a bit cheaper. Um, <laughs> right, if you don't want to spend three point one million dollars on a on a fish, do you like melons? I love melons. So, how much do you think the just a bog standard melon that you get in the the supermarket? The most expensive melon. This was sold in China. How much do you think that would have been? Just a normal melon. A normal melon. Normal melon. Uh, right, like the red one, green on the outside, well, red in the middle. Well, I say normal melon. It was a bigish normal melon. Okay, it big. was eighty-one kilograms. I, I would say a couple of hundred pounds. Hundred pounds in sterling. Uh, so I don't have it in sterling, but I have it in yen, in Chinese yen. All right, okay. Fifty-one thousand. <sighs> oh, that's mad. so. What's that? Take off a take off a zero, roughly. Fifty-one thousand. Five thousand one hundred pound. Yeah, roundabout. That is mad. Give or take. What was what was that for then? A, a melon. A melon. A melon. How big was it? Eight, Eighty-one and a half kilograms. Oh, that's a big. <laughs> it's that's a big, a melon. big melon. I did say normal melon. It yeah. was. It's a normal melon, just a big version of one. Wow. Is this to do with? Uh, I, I was reading something on uh, WeChat. It, it yeah. was um, released by uh, by the president, actually. Uh, Prime, Prime, what's the, what's the Chinese boss? The big guy. What's his name? Uh, Xi Jinping. Yeah, he he said he f- he found that there was too much waste in China, and, yeah. and he specifically cited this and said this really must stop yeah. because there's people, and he you know he yeah. spoke about people around the world. He wasn't just looking at China, people around the world not having food, yeah. and people in China were spending a lot of money because there was oh, up until he spoke there was this thing where you judged. Uh, how you were catered for, how how big the remainder of food was that wasn't at, so what was or, sorry, wasn't eaten. So it was a huge waste. And he said, well, this waste really must stop because we need to, uh, you know, we mentioned yeah. the production. They don't have enough for themselves. Got to buy it in. And, and, and I thought that was quite a nice thing to be able to say rather than, yeah. you know, forget the opulence. Let's just yeah. eat what you need buy what you need, and then have the rest we can sell and feed the rest of the world, which I thought yeah, was rather good. We don't need to spend five and a bit thousand pounds on on a melon. It's going to taste exactly the same as the one you get around yeah. the corner, isn't it? Yeah. It's not the most expensive melon. <laughs> What's the most expensive melon? So, <laughs> in Japan, they have a melon called the Yubari melon. Uh, and it's it's like just champagne is only made in... Champagne in France. Yeah. Similar things. This Yubari melon is only grown in Yubari in Japan. Um, the average price uh, is around about sort of fifteen to twenty thousand uh, dollars. The most expensive one on record. Bear, bear in mind, they sometimes sell these privately, so they're not on record. The most expensive on record was twenty two thousand eight hundred dollars. My goodness. That's US me. dollars. Um, for Yubari melon. That is mad. Yeah. Absolutely mad. It's got too much money there. Yeah, apparently they're perfectly round. Wow. Like perfect circles. Um, How'd you get them all in a box? 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking, to be honest. <laughs> I know that uh, the Japanese did start growing <laughs> think, things square. Let's play a tune, talk some more. <laughs> Rod Stewart, first cut is the deepest. You are listening to the show within a show. It's number two in the podcast, and the title is... The Stuff You Didn't Know Show. Exactly. Very interesting. Uh, well, I hope you're finding it interesting. Bananas. Ooh. Bananas. I'm not being rude when I say that, <laughs> but uh, I've been doing a little bit of uh, research about bananas, and yeah. I, I like bananas. I love bananas. And when I was in Belize, we, we learned to... Uh, uh, grill bananas for for breakfast, Ooh, and you get a banana, cut it in half, put it on the barbecue. Whew, fab, did it back home in England, and people yeah. went, "Whoa, what's that? Don't want to eat that." <laughs> but it tasted delicious. Um, bananas. Now, do you know the countries that grow bananas, and and which country grows the most bananas? Grows. It's going to be hot. Is it hot countries? Yeah, I would think. I it said would it's going to be hot, really confidently, and then halfway through the sentence, I was like, "Wait, <laughs> see, it you might go, not be. is that right?" Yeah. Uh, if I give you two of them and see if you can get the third, okay, okay. Yeah. India, India, okay, and also South America. There's another country. Any ideas? Uh, We're sitting in it. China, China, China grow the most bananas. The most, yeah. I did not know that. Biggest biggest banana producers in the world. And I did not know that, and it blew me away. I thought, wow, where, where would... Of course, the country's so big. Yeah. And, and I've noticed... Uh, I read about the natural history of China, and that's fascinating. And they tend to do farming and growing in certain particular uh, areas where they'll... You know, you won't, you won't see it unless you actually live there or travel there. And th- that's what they specialise in. So uh, the next time you look at a banana, it, you probably, you know, it's growing Chinese banana. Chinese banana. Nice. Uh, Fives was the name of the bananas we used to see coming in from uh, Liverpool. Yeah. But that was because Fives were based in Liverpool, and ah, that's where okay. the boats came with the, with the bananas. I used to th- think they, were, they weren't called bananas, they were called Fives. <laughs> so. That's a weird thing as well, isn't it? Sometimes people do that. It's like... Tissues, people just say Kleenex. Yeah, and it's the, the brand. And vacuum cleaners, they say Hoovers. Yeah. Depending on how old you yeah. are, probably Dyson now. I, I sometimes call them Henry's. <laughs> Henry's, yeah, I've got a Henry. <laughs> uh, Henry. Now, yeah. um, bananas are very interesting because if you eat enough, what happens? So, <laughs> I love this fact. This is one of my favorite facts ever. Um, so, bananas, they, could, they contain lots of sort of good things for your body. Like, we know they're sort of like a, a superfood in a way. Marathon runners uh, eat them, footballers eat them, sports people, uh, everyday people eat bananas. and But they contain lots and lots of minerals. One of those minerals that it contains is potassium. Okay? And there's a really interesting thing in some of my grade nines uh, who were in my chemistry lessons, those lucky, lucky ones, will be able to tell you about a thing called isotopes. So this is basically atoms that are slightly different from each other. Some of these isotopes are radioactive. And some of them are found in bananas. So if you eat enough bananas, you will slowly get radiation poisoning from the radioactive potassium. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this isn't like one or two bananas. No, this is definitely isn't one or two bananas. <laughs> you can do this one of two ways. I wouldn't recommend either, <laughs> but you can. You can either eat 274 bananas every single day 
you're not allowed to skip a day for seven years. What? Okay. That's to me sounds like a very big commitment to bananas. Um so if you want the easier option is eat ten million bananas in one day. Ambulance uh, <laughs> Just Hey, Baz, where are you going with all them bananas? Don't worry about it. Um I might I might be back, I might not be back. Yeah. <laughs> But so, um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend either. Highly, highly, highly wouldn't recommend either. Uh, first of all, the levels of other metals in there, like calcium and, and other vitamins, they will will do a lot more damage first yeah. uh, before you started feeling any radiation sickness. Because the potassium would do things to you as well, because that would uh, yeah. change your electrolytes or something. Yeah, the, the potassiums and the salts and things like that that are in the bananas anyway would start to to mess you up pretty quick. I didn't, don't think you'd even last the first day. Uh, there was always that myth when I was at school that people used to go, you can only ever eat three bananas in a day. Like, oh, well, I've, I've beaten that. Yeah, record. yeah, I've, I've beaten that, I think, before. But it, it's something like when you get around 20, 20 to 30, that's where you start getting yeah. some damage happening from other things. But the radiation itself would take wow. 10 million in a day if, you, if you're feeling a little bit peckish. That is incredible. Now, I, I was on bananas, I was doing a little bit of research, and um, they float. They float. They float. And I thought, wow. And I knew apples floated because yeah. we, we used to play, you know, duck apple when we oh, were yeah, when like bobbing. We bobbing for apples. So, uh, you know, seeing somebody float, great. But bananas, I never thought a banana would float. Never tried it, but I, yeah. but I went home and did it, and it does. It does. Yeah, incredible. But ones that have gone a bit brown and soggy don't float, mm. as well as the others. That's a, that's I think it's maybe to do with the... You know, breaking the, down. As a breaking down. We're talking about food, and you've got some interesting bits and bobs about pasta. Yeah, so um, so I was just looking up, because we were talking about radioactive bananas, and uh, I found some other foods that were radioactive, and I was just looking up whether pasta was uh, radioactive. Um, and then I found out there's some, some physics, astrophysics term called nuclear pasta is that to describe the pasta or is that something that happened in an experiment that it looks like pasta so you can't eat it which first of all i was very disappointed about <laughs> but what it basically is is there's part of a star when the star explodes it looks a bit like pasta so they called it nuclear pasta oh. and they reckon it's the strongest thing in the universe but they've never actually been able to get any of it to to try it out which is a shame and that's how we got to graphite. Yeah, and then we graphene. Uh, graphene is the the strong material. Graphite is what you'll find in your pencil. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Now then, um, what about jelly beans? <laughs> what about well, jelly, well, beans? jelly beans? Well, jelly beans. When I was doing my little research, thinking about food, well, I like jelly beans. I, I love them. I love them. Very strange flavors, but some of them, but very very nice. And this fact blew me away. And I thought to myself, I could do this. And then I read the end of it. Uh, UK, this happened in UK. Uh, this chap called uh, Alfie Burney actually sorted out 30 jelly beans by colours in 40 seconds. I thought I could do that. But the caveat is he did it with chopsticks. Now, that I can't even pick up a piece of meat with chopsticks, let alone <laughs> a jelly bean. Wow. 
Just incredible, incredible. But we were talking about pasta, and I, and I, I digress. Pasta, there's a link between pasta and Westlake. Do you know what that is? Pasta and Westlake. Pasta and Westlake. If you cook pasta in Westlake, it tastes better. No. Oh. Well, it might well do. It might well <laughs> do, depending on the, the vendor. But, but Marco Polo, there's a statue of Marco Polo yeah. in Westlake. The the famous story Fame, famous story about the man coming here you know and he, he called it heaven on earth which yeah. he got it right and apparently there's a bit of a debate between Italy and China as to who invented pasta because there's Asian pasta yeah. and there's Italian pasta and when Marco Polo went back he brought Asian pasta to Italy who oh. were already having pasta so there's still a debate who made pasta first? The great pasta debate. The great pasta debate. It's pasta. I was going to say it's pasta to the post, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> right? Got any more wacky things that made you laugh this week? Yeah. So, um, so going back to the, to bananas, and we were saying they were radioactive. So I did look up some other radioactive foods. Okay. Um, so a, a bit of science before we start. They measure radioactivity in very strange ways. So the f- one unit that we can use is something called a becquerel. And this is named after a, a, a French scientist who was one of the first people to measure radiation. Um, our bodies in one big blast could could have 8,000 becquerels on this scale. Um, to put it into context, the, the sort of background radiation that's always around us is one or two becquerels. Okay. Um, but then... Another measurement is named after Marie Curie, and it's called Curie's. Um, and basically, one becquerel equals 27 pico Curie's, which is very, very small, basically. Um, so just so we know, these numbers are not huge amounts of radiation. They're, they're quite small amounts of radiation. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah. So <laughs> these are foods per kilogram. So if you get one kilogram, how much radiation you would get. So Brazil nuts. Uh, so let's just start with bananas. Bananas are about uh, three thousand five hundred on this scale, and we said it took, took ten million in one go today. Uh, do you want to go down or up first? Uh, down, down. Okay. Potatoes, three thousand four hundred. So a little bit less radioactive. Avocados, about uh, two fifty. Perfect. 2,500. Uh, oh, 2,500. 2,500. Sorry, I dropped my note off there. <laughs> um, something that, that I like to have one or two on the weekend, a, a nice beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 390. Oh. A lot less radioactive. Yeah, well, so we'll be drinking beer then. What I'm taking from that is instead of having avocado salads, we just have a, a pint of beer. <laughs> um, to be even healthier, water is only 170. But you're going to have to drink an awful lot of water before it uh, it affects you. Yeah. And, and we must say that this, as you pointed out, we're, we're talking about very, very, very small. small. Yeah. Because somebody might be listening, no. oh, my goodness. No, 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 this is very, very small. So, like, the bananas, for example, it was 10 million in one go. So water is, like, nearly 300 times less. So you would need 300 times more. I got you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. very, very small amounts. But going the other end of the scale, the most reactive food, a radioactive food that we have, are Brazil nuts. And on this scale, they're 12,000, so four times-ish more than than bananas. But once again, you would have to eat a 
very, very, very large amount. And also the average serving of Brazil nuts is a lot less than a kilogram. So the average serving's going to be a lot less than this 12,000. I still want the Quality Street Big Purple one, though. Yeah. Chocolate. We're talking about chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. We started off saying about Armand Nestle. Yeah, so we're going full circle and we'll bring it back to chocolate. So can you name the different types of chocolate that you can get, Baz? Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate's one. Uh, and there's different types of dark chocolate with percentages of, of up to 90% yeah. uh, cocoa. Yeah. And down to whatever. Yeah. But we'll, we'll just go general oh, okay, for now. Just apologies. for now. My, sorry, I'm just getting, in, getting in a bit <laughs> deep there. Sorry. Uh, dark chocolate. Yeah. Milk chocolate. Yeah. Uh, white chocolate. White chocolate. Yeah. Um, there's caramel. A uh, caramel chocolate. Caramac. When I was a kid, it was like a. Cream. Oh yeah, that's the like the one where they mix. Yeah. Yeah. So officially, there are four types of chocolate. So black, uh, dark, dark so? chocolate, uh, milk chocolate, and white chocolate. Yeah, I've got three of them. And then. There's a new chocolate. Get I say new. It's three years old now, but considering the others have been around for a very long time, I'm, I'm going to call it new chocolate. All right. Have you heard of this new I, chocolate? Oh, not, until you, not until you just mentioned it right now. So this is called ruby chocolate. Ruby chocolate? Ruby chocolate. And is it ruby in colour? It's like a pinkish colour. It's sort of the same colour as your shirt that you're wearing now. It's like a pink. It's really... It looks really nice. I... Pink's one of my favourite colours, so I'm a bit biased. So, but it's a it's a really nice colour, really nice pink colour, uh, and it's got a sort of florally nutty taste to it. And wh- why is why was this made? So, the way they process chocolate to make dark chocolate, like you said, the different percentages. So they mix ninety percent of the, the raw cocoa with uh, other stuff to make ninety percent dark chocolate. They mix the cocoa with milk to make milk chocolate, and they put mainly milk uh, with a little bit of cocoa to make white chocolate. This new chocolate is, before they do any of that, they use the unfermented cocoa beans. So these are cocoa beans that are very fresh, uh, and they have this reddish, uh, pinkish color. So they process it. I did try and find out how they process it. It's a trade secret. Ah, ah. It's a trade secret. Just listening to you there, just before I left UK, yeah. they started a Magnum advert. Is that the chocolate? That is the exact chocolate. Because it's pink. Yeah. I just remember. The they do sell it in China. Um, I had one the other day. I, yeah, really good. Um, it's, like, it's, it's a strange flavor because you think you, you're obviously used to chocolate and it's got that sort of like... A little bit of bitter taste if you have dark chocolate or if you have really dark chocolate. It has a very strong bitter taste. But this is completely sort of flowery and, like, it's, it's weird. You need to try it. It's I hard will. to describe the I will. The and is there any uh, um, sort of advantage to eating it? Is it, is it healthier or...? Um, at the moment, they're still sort of doing all the studies and things on it. Um, so it was released in 2017. They have been working on it since 2005 so it's taken 12 years to, to perfect the process uh and when they say perfect the process they they had the chocolate in 2005 but it wasn't until 2017 they could release it as something that you could eat and they knew was safe and they knew they could use in productions and things like that so the it was actually released in shanghai that was the first place it was ever put out into the, the world uh it was a private event uh, my invitation, I think, got lost. In the post. In the post. Um, and Kit Kat, 
uh, going back to Nestle, cause as far as I'm aware, Nestle owned KitKat. They they were the first uh, ones to use that chocolate in in a KitKat ruby. It was called. Well, actually, now you've said that, I remember seeing a, a sort of pinkish label, yeah, and I'm thinking, I, I thought to myself, hmm, maybe give that a body swerve. Yeah, so like, I th- I think a lot of people maybe see it and they think strawberry. That was the first thing I thought when I, I saw it. I just thought it was a strawberry chocolate. But no, it's a, it's a, a new, well, I say it's a new type of chocolate. There are some chocolate experts that think it's just, it's not. Yeah. They, they don't want to class it as a new type of chocolate. They think it's just for marketing purposes. But officially from the sort of, I'm going to call them the Council of Chocolate. I don't know if that's what their name is. Great, but they've name, great said, name, I think. Yeah, that, oh, I'd love to work in the Council of Chocolate. <laughs> they've said that it's a, it's a new type of chocolate. And we've had Magnum use it now. Costa Coffee uh, started using it. Starbucks very, very quickly jumped on that as well. And I saw something in the 7-Up shop yesterday. Snickers. Yeah. There was a pink outer and a pink inner layer so, yeah and it was on the desk being being promoted you yeah know? and i looked at it again i thought strawberry i don't fancy that yeah but that like you said strawberry went into my yeah. head so it's now now this new type of chocolate and it's out there it's starting to come into sort of lots and lots of different things now so be on the lookout for it you need to try it the, the magnum i will say was right. very very nice all right will you buy me one i'll buy you one. Oh, i got him on got him on air he's gonna <laughs> buy me one that's brilliant like so thank you Thank you very much indeed. Once again, really enjoyed it. Uh, the show within a show called Something That You... What, something that, what's it called? The best part is you, you can't remember the name. 